0: Awakening the faithful, reaching the lost, and making church matter. Welcome to the Rebuilt Podcast. If you love your parish, listen to this podcast. Well, hey,
1: everyone. Welcome to the Rebuilt Podcast. I'm Kelly Lippenholtz, your host. And today I'm joined by Tom Corcoran and a special guest, Carol Guareri. (laughs)
2: So, <laughs> it's all good. It was pretty good. Wait, I got to start no, over. It's, no, 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 you don't
3: no, 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 no start over. Just no, it was, it, Carol say? It.
2: it was good. Guarieri. Guarieri.
1: There you go. Carol Guarieri is our missions director yes. here yep. at Nativity. And,
3: and today, as we're recording this, Carol and I are celebrating, yes. Yes, uh, celebrating Eagles. The, the Eagles Parade in <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs>
1: Philadelphia born. They've yes. been watching live streaming all day.
3: Born and raised. Been i fun. actually only got to watch about five minutes of it. But oh, it miss- was probably the best five minutes of the whole parade. With you're, you're probably Jason right. Jason Kelsey was speaking. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, that's all I got to say.
2: Entertaining to say the least.
1: And I don't care. So we're going to move on.
0: Good.
1: So today we're going to be talking about uh, growing missions in your church. And we're going to start out talking about what's happening this weekend here at Nativity. It's our annual appeal weekend. Tom, do you want to tell us what that is?
3: Yeah. So the reason we're talking about missions this month is because it is our archdiocese, our archbishop's annual appeal. And I think most parishes, their diocese partake in that. And one of the things we do is we use the appeal uh, because the appeal does a lot to help people in the city and help build up our city and do stuff with Catholic charities And as now the appeal in different dioceses, there's all kinds of different arrangements, but the arrangement we have here in Baltimore is that 25% of the appeal comes back to our parish. And so what we are doing with that money, those funds, is funding our missions, specifically our missions partners, easy for me to say, <laughs> our missions partners in Baltimore. So that's just kind of what, what spurred it on. That uh, I think that's what, a kind of cool thing we're doing with this weekend is that we're going to be highlighting three missions partners in the city of Baltimore and just introducing our parish to what they do. And you know, we had a really great home run, I thought, in December when we did a missions weekend for our international partners. And just, it was a great opportunity just to introduce the people in our parish to what we do and just to give a whole message to explain that. Because even though we talk about these partners all the time, people forget what they're about. They forget the impact we're having. And it's just such a great feel-good thing to know that our parish is having an impact right. beyond just this four walls we're in. So. Yeah,
1: and you don't have to be going on a mission trip to participate in one. And so a great way to include our parishioners is to highlight them on a weekend, highlight those partners on a weekend. Definitely. Great. Okay. So Carol, tell us about, as as we get into talking a little bit more about Nativity's mission work, tell us about how you got involved with mission work here at nativity. Like tell us about your first mission trip or your first, activity with
2: missions here. You know, it's kind of crazy because I came to Nativity in 2012 and I remember sitting in the pews during the time that they were advertising on the screens for the trips coming up that following summer. And I can actually probably pinpoint back in a journal where I wrote, you know, that would be really cool to take a trip one day. Like that's something I would love to be a part of. And fast forward in 2013 and 2014, about two years later, I took my first trip to Haiti. So that was um, my first international exposure to missions. I think probably the first time I served, though, at Nativity was here on campus. I I served within the ministry programs that we have and just jumped on board very quickly. But um, I got involved locally with Baltimore Station. That was one of the first actual local partners that I served with and still do to this day, which is uh, a men's shelter down in Baltimore City that predominantly supports military vets that are um, suffering from homelessness and substance abuse and addiction problems and things of that nature. And they're working to get them back on their feet. So I remember going down there and serving. My mom actually came. It was on Mother's Day weekend. And I said, you know, my mom has a heart for missions. She's always loved to serve. And I said, why don't we do something different? So um, one of our missions champions for the station, Mike, actually remembered that he met me and my mom on that first time. So that was great. That was my first local missions adventure. So.
1: Okay. Well, Here's a question, though, for you. I mean, There's tons of need just inside the four walls of our parish. Why do we do missions anyway? Why, why do we do any kind of mission outside of our four walls
2: when we have people in our four walls that need help, care and help. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the great things here about nativity too, is that we, we don't just focus on one. We do focus on both. We have ministry obviously that we talk about with, within the four walls of the church. And that's when we serve our Mm -hmm. parishioners and our guests that are here, but that we recognize there is a need outside of our four walls. And there is a, um, a responsibility that we have as as uh, as Christians, as Christ followers, to serve one another and not just within the walls of the church, because we know that there are so many. Out, unchurched individuals and people outside the walls. Um, but w- what was really great is you, Tom, through the book with you and Father White and Rebuilt, you guys talked about that, you know, the movement of the kingdom of God is is the movement of love. And that's really what it comes down to in missions, whether it's inside the four walls or outside the four walls, but taking part in that restoration process and and really restoring the reign of love is what Father White and Tom talked about.
3: Yeah, it's, it's pretty clear, obviously, from scripture that God wants us to care for the poor and those in need and, and the poor can become this amorphous group so we have to sure we'll talk about that a little bit more but uh, you know that i was just in preparing for this this weekend and putting some of our daily devotionals together that isaiah 58 where god says you know this is the fast i i, I want from you to to uh free those who are unjustly in prison, to clothe the naked to feed the hungry to um to care for again those who need caring for so obviously as a church a catholic church we've We've understood this for a long time, the need to serve people who are in need and not just the people coming. To our church.
2: Right. We, you know, in missions too, our, our prime um, verse within scripture that we focus on and we use is Acts 1 8. You know, you will be my witnesses throughout Judea and, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, you know, we look at our backyard as, as one location and within, you know, our, our church as one location, our Baltimore City partnerships as one location. Then, of course, stretching that outside of those boundaries as well to serve nationally, obviously, our partner in, in West Virginia and then internationally in Haiti and Kenya. So you've mentioned several different of
1: our partners. What is the strategy for missions? H- how do we do missions here at Nativity? How do we how do we choose? Yeah, what's the, what's the process
2: there? That's- probably one of the toughest questions I think churches face because there's always this challenge and this conflict within... So many needs. Absolutely. How do you decide? How do you determine mm-hmm. who you want to help and which organizations you should support and where should right. we put our money and our time and our efforts and our volunteers? And um, again, Tom, to, to speak to the book, um, you and Father White mentioned it can be just as harmful by doing too much and or, or versus doing too little. So we really have to... We decided several years ago, Go to really narrow our focus, mm-hmm. and strategic partners was the way we decided to do that. We developed um, steps that we needed to identify ways that we, as a church community, could put that support out there, lend our financial support, lend our volunteers, and keep a focus in a partnership area because we know that it is all about that long-term re- relationship. Mm-hmm.
3: So you said so, a lot there, Carol. I
2: did. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm moving. I'm and moving. I know. No, but I
3: want to <laughs> slow you down a second. I want to slow you down a second. I know you're Philly. You're you're Italian Philly. <laughs> you got to talk. And you talk and a, lot, hands, you a lot. you my Your hands, hands are going, going here. <laughs> but I think it's important for, for people listening that there's like kind of three real bullet points right here yeah. that are really well thought out and uh, that just want to make sure they don't miss it. So Absolutely. Number one, again, was relational. Absolutely. That um, God is a relational God. Anything more to say on that? Or You mentioned well, that in there, but just... Yeah,
2: I think what we've discovered is the problems are relational. It's not about, you know, you can look at poverty and you can say, well, they don't have materialistic things, but that's not the root of the issue. That's not the root of the problem. There is a relational challenge that exists in, in those circumstances. Um, you look at people who suffer with substance abuse and addiction and the relational challenges that are at the root of those... Um, those, uh, what's the word I want to use? I'm trying to think. Those circumstances or those scenarios involved. It's deeper than that. Yeah, I so mean, for the-
3: example, um, you know, as we have living out here in the suburbs, we have all kinds of advantages just from relationships we have. Right. Now, I tried to use those to get Super Bowl tickets, it did not work out, so I don't <laughs> have that kind of relationship. But. <laughs> If I'm in But the
1: connection, <laughs> are we still talking yeah. about the, the Super Bowl? We will, trust me. But, but my point is, for a long time. I could
3: try to leverage relationships to get tickets. It didn't work out for me. But, <laughs> but connections all kinds of are other important. problems. I, connections I, are I'm important. I'm going somewhere with this, Kelly. He's got sorry, it. He's sorry. Got so, I'm, it. With okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. But all kinds of problems. You know, here's another. My car got hit recently. Yeah. Smashed. I got a car someone's been lending me for a while people in the city don't have or people living in poverty don't have that kind of right. thing so I was going somewhere so, so. relational Kelly's I, giving me this the, scolding the, look the,
2: look, the but, but to your point
1: though Tommy Tom, only it, a
3: mom can give yeah, it's <laughs> like a
1: I don't want to talk about the eagles anymore.
3: Sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get off it, I promise. There'll only be like five more.
2: It's, okay, mm. five. I'm counting. We'll count them. We'll count them down.
1: So uh, The relational, so relational
3: relational
2: problems require relational solutions. So oh, our missions, our missions approach is all about we can't solve, you know, you can't put a round thing in a square peg. It just doesn't work that way. So relational problems require relational solutions. So
3: in all our missions, we're trying to build relationships. Relationships, absolutely. Second thing, though, you said, and this kind of flows, I think, is strategic partners. Yeah. Because we have relationships with our partners. With our
2: partners, partners. absolutely. That's required.
3: Anything else you want to say about how those those have come about and how we choose those?
2: Well, it's interesting. We needed to, again, focus our efforts. And in talking, actually, with Brian Crook, our previous missions director, um, you know, he identified categories, if you will, education and, um, you know... uh, restoration in in an environment where you were dealing with a vulnerable population. So we looked at categories and we said, okay, what particular partnerships or organizations are out there that can help us to serve these particular categories, these areas that we know that there are needs and we as a church community want to support. Um, so our partners kind of fall into those categories, if you will, and really tackle a, a variety of different things. We are partnered with a, a, an organization that battles human trafficking in our city. We deal with Organizations that are battling homelessness and substance abuse and addiction. We have um, youth mentoring partnerships that are involved in the education and the mentorship of our young generations coming up in the schooling worlds. Um, and then, of course, our international partners that are, are working with developing countries and our involvement there, and even in our own backyard in West Virginia and Appalachia, um, same thing. So those are the partners we decided to work with because they target the key categories in the areas we wanted to focus our efforts. And for
3: some of us, some that we went out and sought out these strategic partners,
2: yeah, but some have been org-
3: organic. So Nigeria, we just haven't had parishioners that were, were doing work in Nigeria. And so Correct. that's how we, so some have been intentionally see- seeking out some of it should have been organic. organic. Yeah. And so relational strategic partners and then long-term impact. Absolutely. So that's, it's I'm, sort of self-explanatory but it is
2: but it, you know sometimes it's it's often missed and sometimes m- misconstrued or confused you know people think long-term impact oh, okay well that means i'm going every week for a couple of weeks but Really, I think the big thing to point out and to recognize is in a long-term, in a developmental way, um, building these relationships with these partners and going in and serving, for example, at Baltimore Station, serving a meal down there. Yeah, the faces will change from time to time, but you have a long-standing relationship with that organization. And over time, what you are doing is growing the the impact that this will have on their lives moving forward. So we want to identify partnerships that are eventually going to get to a self-sustaining standpoint. And that is the long-term impact we're trying to achieve.
3: So it's transformational. A good Absolutely. Word? OK. So Absolutely. We, want, we want to be transformation, transforming society. And As transforming opposed to
2: transactional. Lives. Yeah, we want to be transformational. Okay. We
3: got to get to a break. But say real quick before we get to the break, what's the difference between transactional and transformational?
2: Transactional is a one and done deal. You go in, you shake your hand, say, good thanks, good luck. Transformational, you are actually changing that person's life. Okay. Great. So we're going to
1: take a quick break and we'll be back with more on missions with Carol and Tom.
0: Join us April 16th and 17th, 2018 for an exciting conference for pastors, parish leaders, staff and volunteer ministers, and anyone who is interested in making church matter for their community. The Rebuilt Conference is for people in the trenches who are building or rebuilding healthy and growing communities in faith. This year's conference will take place in our brand new church. So it will be a one of a kind celebration. Along with presentations from Father Michael White and Tom Corcoran, you'll hear from Jeff Cavens and Pastor Craig Rochelle. Jeff is the creator of the Bible timeline and a wildly popular Catholic author and speaker. Craig Rochelle is the founding pastor of Life Church, the largest church in the U.S. with 27 locations in eight states. Come to the Rebuilt Conference to be inspired, encouraged, and equipped for the work in the trenches. You can register at rebuiltconference.com. That's rebuiltconference.com. Registration opens October 1st. First.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Rebuilt Podcast. I'm Kelly here with Tom and Carol, and today we are talking about growing our missions programs here at Nativity and Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. We're also talking about the Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. Tom and Carol are both Huge fans, both from From Philadelphia. Philadelphia.
0: Woohoo! Gosh,
3: that sounds so good, Kelly. It
0: does. (laughs) It
2: does.
1: You're welcome. Should we sing the fight song? Uh, No. (laughs) I've heard that song so many times around this office in the past two weeks.
3: So so one thing we should know, and maybe we could put, uh, they would kill us maybe, but (laughs) so we had bets twice. I had a bet for the NFC Championship game and then for the Super Bowl that staff members had to sing the Eagles fight song. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. we should
1: make those videos available to the <laughs> listening audience. That would I be don't fun. think we can do that to Great. Kelly. She would kill
3: me. She <laughs> would, would kill you. Great, <laughs> but, but I think we could do it's it. Been for, it's for been Jay fun for Jay and Allie. I think they would like it. So, all right. We have I, good, sorry. good
1: team team
2: players around yeah, here. Yeah, good spirit around Absolutely. the office.
1: Well, we've been talking about missions with Carol, our missions director, and Tom. We've um, established why we do missions here at Nativity or why we do missions, period. We talked about how we do missions. It's relational. We have strategic partners, and we want to make a long-term impact. Those are the three ways that we do mission work here. But Carol, tell us how, tell us what we do to, to, to make that work, to make those things work. Like, that's a great strategy, but then how are we making it work for the wider parish?
2: Right. Where does the rubber hit the road? Um, we definitely know and recognize that we need to make missions accessible. We have- well, What does that mean, make it accessible? We need to make it available to our parishioners, the mm-hmm. folks or, or guests, anyone sitting in the pews to be able to get up and serve. So if that means making the information easily accessible by using our website, how having locations um, where people can sign up to do that very easily, like our Next Steps kiosk here mm-hmm. on campus. We make that very easy for folks to be able to go over and sign up and serve. And just, of course, identifying a variety of service opportunities so that, you know, everyone has different gifts and talents that they can bring to the table. And if they feel like their gifts or talents or their skills are are not going to be valued or can't be used, they, they are reluctant then to sign up. So what we try to do is we try to find a lot of variety in our opportunities of service that will speak to a lot of different people and the skills and things that they may have to bring to the table. So we have things like serving meals, but if there's someone who can't serve, but is a really great cook, we need people to bake casseroles. So right. that's one of the things that we do with one of our partners. If there's someone who has construction experience or just enjoys that as a hobby, we have a missions program that we send our folks down to Appalachian. There is a lot of physical manual labor done there that really speaks to a lot of folks within the pews in our church. So making it accessible, just making it available from a communication standpoint so that people know where to get those details and so that there's a variety of service opportunities so that it really encompasses and allows everyone to be involved. One
3: of the things I think that I don't know whose idea this was. I'll give you credit if you want it. Probably uh, no, right? no, probably no, Brian. Right? Probably. I,
2: I would have but, to give it to Brian.
3: I mean, I think when it comes to foreign missions and, and and traveling to either Appalachia, which isn't foreign, obviously, but or going to Haiti or Kenya, Nigeria, the home teams is such a great way oh, in huge. which we make is accessible. Tell us who the home
2: team is. Tell us what that's about. Yeah, absolutely. Home team members are actually folks that walk through that entire preparation journey that we have for our travel teams that are traveling internationally. And that's about how long? It's about a nine month journey? No, not nine months. It's more four four or five. So our applications have been open now for a couple of months already. And we will kick off in April before they get ready to travel in June and July. Okay. Um, But actually, now that we have fall trips, you could probably extend it to nine months because those home teams are engaged that entire time. So our home team members are just that. They're folks who are not going to travel, but who are with us every step of the way with the travelers. They are praying for them. They're prayer partners. They're involved in the conversations. They're talking about the cultural differences the travelers are going to face. They offer their insight. Have they traveled um, before? Is no, that? not necessarily. Okay. No, they don't have to travel before. They okay. don't have to travel in the future. They just have to it's have just, a heart for exactly. it. Exactly. They mm-hmm. have a heart for missions, perhaps. They have a heart for the international partners we work with, and they just want to be involved. So... So they're there to be prayer partners and supporters along the way. And um, yeah, that that is definitely one of those great opportunities yeah, for that's, people to talk serve. Talk about making it accessible. Absolutely. Yep. Because
1: I don't like manual labor. So <laughs> home team. But I could home team it like but nobody's you,
2: business. But you know what, Kelly? We've got youth discipleship coming up in Haiti this summer. And I you are love, so youth, youth discipleship. I kids. know. Okay. You right. would be great on one of our trips. Well, so. I will pray about that. There you go. That's a good plan. <laughs> I'll get our home team praying on that one too. <laughs> All right. Well, what else do we do to, to help, um, to help our parishioners get involved here? Yeah, so accessibility and then integration, obviously, just making sure all of the layers kind of overlap. Um, We've been discovering, you know, we go through a very extensive preparation process for our international and national travelers. And our local missions, one of the things we're working on now is to do something very similar for them as well, because missions is missions is missions, whether you're going to Haiti or Kenya or you're in your backyard. It's a different world. Exactly, it's service. Um, So just trying to find ways that we can integrate, obviously, principles scripture verses and things that speak to what our commands were, what Jesus commanded us to do to love others. So, um, just uh, putting all of that involved in in all of our steps is really critical.
1: It's, it's making me think about what we used to do like 10 years ago or so. When I first came here, we used to do bags of groceries at Thanksgiving. Do you remember that? We would do like a Thanksgiving meal Yeah, and we would get hundreds and hundreds of meals, which is fantastic, but it wasn't relational. It wasn't strategic. And it didn't have any long-term impact. It was a meal, right? Which it's a great thing to do, and and people still ask about it. But it's yeah. great to be able to give them this kind of answer that that
2: we have a bigger strategy, yeah, um, for our missions. We're going for long-lasting. And those things, you know, the the bags at Thanksgiving and the the what we would refer to as those tra- transactional type yeah. service opportunities, mm-hmm. they're not bad. There not. is a place for them. There's mm-hmm. a relief aspect that is involved in missions, but we know that that's not the only part that we want to do. So yeah, to speak to that. Yeah. Great. All
1: right. Well, let's, let's talk about five things that your church could be doing right now to focus your mission efforts. Can you give us some Pointers, Yeah, well, and I'm
2: still it from the book, Tom.
1: So. I gotta
3: admit, my, Father Michael wrote most of this chapter, so well, I don't... <laughs> so then, <laughs> there you go.
2: So credit, credit where credit, credit is due. Exactly, <laughs> credit to him. But he really did, um, you know, we recently uh, went back through Rebuilt, and it was great for me being a newcomer on staff um, just to kind of revisit all of that information and get an understanding of where we started and where we're going. But the five steps really were... Perfect. Um, you know, define your purpose and your plan for partnership. You have to really understand what your purpose and your plan is going to be when you do, when you want to do missions. So whatever we do is only part of what God is doing. And that's a quote that Father White put in the book. Um, so that's why we do partnership, because we're only part of the equation. So identify that purpose and that partnership plan that you're aiming for. And the
3: idea is, is God's already moving somewhere. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right.
2: That, we don't need to create our own. Right? Yeah. We're trying to
3: join God in what he's already doing.
2: We're not reinventing the wheel. It's not as if God isn't in the places of Haiti and Kenya, just as he is in this church. So we're just jumping in and walking alongside of our brothers and sisters. Okay. Great. Um, So number
1: one is purpose and plan for
2: a partnership. Definitely. What's number two? Find a leader. And once you've got that leader, build a team around that leader. Um, Missions can't exist without someone advocating for it. So within your church, you need someone who's going to step up to the microphone and and advocate on on behalf of missions. And then that leader can't be the only person there that, you know, Brian, I think talked about that a lot too, where he felt like it was, he wouldn't have been able to accomplish nearly as much as he did without a team around him. So, you know, build up the volunteers with in your ministry, within your church walls that have a heart for missions and get them on board, get them excited, get them passionate about those things. And once you've got your leader in place, who's advocating on behalf of missions, and then you've got your team in place, you can really start to make moves on things. And just to
3: pause there, I think a lot of parishes be like, we don't really have the staff to to hire someone to be on missions, but, you know, give find a volunteer that's a dedicated volunteer as you were before you, you came on staff Carol, right. yeah. and and just give them a place, at table and let them be the champion. Let them be the bug in your ear to say, um, w- Hey, what are we doing with missions? Yeah. Let's raise it up. How I mean, one serve? thing about missions is side note here is that, I mean, really I think again, it's such a win for the whole parish when we know we're making an impact. When we come back and you show the photos of Haiti and Kenya and the, uh, of a, of a, you know, water, clean water or right. uh, when we did the, this past the school, school built a school, built
2: a I, m- number of schools yes. already. Yeah. Uh,
3: I, and, but then when you see like our parishioners and pictures with that, it's just, it's such a win. And
2: yeah, that's uh, a really important part
1: of the process. Uh, yes, definitely to show the fruit of the labor and the fruit of the giving.
2: And it just makes everyone a part of it. It, yeah. it, it just, yeah, it, it puts Even everybody in that part place. of it. Like
1: I have two teenage kids yeah. and they were both a part of that. I remember one year we did lunches at the schools and, So my kids gave a certain amount of money, and they knew how many lunches they were providing. They were serving. Yeah. It was amazing. It makes it so tangible tangible to them.
3: Yeah. So that's a little side note. So a purpose and a plan, find a leader who builds a team.
2: Focus yeah. the efforts next. You know, that's that's where, again, our, our partnerships in those categories that we discussed came into play. We can't do it all. We're not supposed to do it all. So focus your efforts. Find out what it is that your church community has a heart for and a passion for and aim it in that direction and stick with that direction so that you're doing 100% right. in that same thing. I think effort. that's
3: probably a very hard thing in a lot of parishes is yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Because everyone's got something they believe in, some kind of... Um, right again and they're all good there's a lot of good things out there's there There's a lot
2: of great things out there and it's amazing I've, I've learned very quickly how many times Brian must have previously received emails or phone calls about hey I've got a clothing drive or a food drive or can nativity get behind this and how do we do and that's where again we could spread ourselves yeah. too thin so how if do you say, do that sorry Carol. how do you say no, no. that's okay how yeah. do you say no to that yeah it, it really does come down to educating in in the response so educating whoever that person is and I I think it's a phone call. I think it's a conversation rather than an email. Hmm. Although an email response is definitely helpful in some instances. But I do think having a conversation is important to that play out because it opens the dialogue. It, it helps to uh, um, educate that person on why we have strategic partners and the goal that we are focusing on. So I, I really think that that's, that's tough. It's a tough conversation it is. probably sometimes. It's difficult.
1: Okay. So focus your efforts.
2: That's number three. What's next? Well, the last two are are something we've already touched on, Mm -hmm. you know, get everyone involved. So that's again, making it accessible, making sure that you offer opportunities for everyone in your pews to be able to use their gifts and talents, their God-given gifts and talents, whatever that may be. Uh, And in some instances, we've gone to our volunteers and said, so tell us, what is it that you love to do? Where do you feel your skills are best utilized? Mm -hmm. And we've then been able to match with a partner and say, Hey, I've got someone here who's done social work for 20 25 years, can they come in and teach one of the classes at the station to help with XYZ? And that's worked out really well. Yeah. Um, so getting everyone involved. You can involved. almost guarantee that
1: there's somebody sitting in the pews that has an expertise that yes. can be used by one of your strategic partners. Definitely. Like if you're looking for a carpenter, they're in your pews. They're if in our pews. If you're looking for a social
2: worker, they're in your pews. Yep. And oh. we found that with our medical missions in Kenya. That was a huge success last year was the first time we did a themed trip internationally. And we had a medical-based f- uh, program in mm-hmm. Kenya, and we have a number of medical professionals within our congregation.
3: Yeah, there's a little bit of paradox to that because it's making it accessible, but it's a it's a strange thing that you're able to make it accessible by making it very specific. Specific that you said we need medical professionals, and all of a sudden, now that's not accessible to a lot of us, like you know. But to a lot of people, like, oh, I could do that. I yep. can go that. Right. Go that route. People so. who
2: other... I think that's the key, too. We've recognized that if you leave it open-ended, sometimes people don't know how then they can mm-hmm. be involved. But if you tend to specify and you tend to say, we are aiming strategies. in this direction... Yeah that helps people at least then identify with a purpose, identify with uh, a reason for them to be there. And we have lay people on our medical trips. They don't all have to be medical professionals but there is a place for them too so um, we make that work. But that's really, that's step four, getting everyone involved and then again like we were just talking about, the last step, celebrate those wins as a parish because it is a win when everyone gets involved from the people who, I think we made a comment, the people who swipe the credit cards to the people who stand there to collect the credit cards to the people who go on the trips with the money I, I whatever that looks like I, everyone is involved from any aspect and it, you have to celebrate that win
3: yeah I think that's that's so huge and uh, I think we're we're learning how to get better at that but right. but yeah if you especially show pictures tell stories oh, people do whatever love stories can, do whatever you can to to celebrate the impact your church is having
1: yeah Great. Well, we will be right back after a
0: quick break to wrap up. This is the Rebuilt
1: Podcast
0: the rebuilt field guide will lead you and your leadership team through assessment and goal-setting exercises that will help you revitalize your church the workbook offers practical steps that will bring your team together so that you can affect change in your parish if you know your parish needs to change or want to introduce the principles of rebuild but you don't know where to start the rebuild field guide is the perfect resource you can order the field guide from Amazon Barnes and and at Ave Maria Press. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the
1: Rebuilt Podcast. I'm here with Carol and Tom. We're talking about missions. Carol, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. You have enlightened me, and I will be praying about going on a mission trip. Tom, are you going to pray about going on a mission trip too?
3: Yeah, I've I've been considering it. Okay. So my son Max actually wants to go on one, but I was actually just talking to him last night about when he wants to do that. He wants to go to Kenya. Yes. (laughs) It's going to be our
1: teens that get us out there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap up today. We've been talking all about growing missions at your church. I'm going to f- summarize the five steps that you can take right now to focus, focus your mission efforts at your church. Number one, have a purpose and a plan for your partnerships. Number two, find a leader and build a team around that leader. Number three, focus your efforts on those strategic partners. You can't do it all. Number four, get everyone involved. Make it accessible accessible. Use everybody's God-given gifts and talents as much as you can. And finally, celebrate the wins. After there is a mission trip or some sort of service project, make sure you celebrate the wins and communicate it to the rest of the parish so that everyone can see that they are part of the solution as well. Thanks so much for joining us today. Tom, will you close us out in prayer?
3: we Will do. Uh, Father, we just thank you that you invite us into the restoration of the world uh, that you have given us a role to bring healing to this hurting world. And God, we just pray that uh, you would use our parishes, use us to uh, help our cities, help um, our country, help our world to bring the healing, Christ's healing, to transform it uh, into the world that you have dreamed. And uh, we make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.